Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for December 19th. I'm your host, Jeff Pitchford. This week, we talk to Arkansas Farm Bureau young farmer and rancher leaders about planning for the future, and we sit down with Jim Carroll III of Brinkley, who was recently elected chair of the United Soybean Board of Directors. We also catch up on the latest news from the Arkansas Farm Bureau Women's Leadership Committee. First, Arkansas Farm Bureau's Ken Moore talks to Jim Carroll III about being elected to lead the United Soybean Board of Directors. It's an important position, and Carroll talks about what it means and what lies ahead for one of the state's most important crops. I'm Ken Moore, and today I'm uh, visiting with Mr. Jim Carroll over here on his uh, farm, kind of between Morrow and Brinkley in Monroe County. And Jim, uh, we're so proud to congratulate him. elected as chair of the United Soybean Board. As we begin uh, our conversation here, tell me your history as a soybean grower. You and and your brother John have been uh, soybean farmers over here on your farm for a number of years. Just kind of give a timeline and your history of uh, what led up to this point as you're being elected chair. Sure. Uh, First soybeans I owned was on this farm was my granddad uh, raised them for fodder for the cattle and mules. And then as that progressed, you know, back in the 60s, we cleared up and everybody started, you know, the protein side got where they needed for the animals and the oil side. And so everybody got to raising soybeans. And time went on, uh, uh, Stanley Reed caught me one day and he said, Jim, I need you to help me. And I said, what can I do? Stanley and I were uh, basketball buddies back in the day. Brinkley and Mariana was a big rival, and he played down there, and I played. And he said, I want you to serve on the Arkansas Soybean Board. And I said, Stanley, I don't know anything about that. And he said, you be the kind of guy I want on there. He said, you you know all what you're doing, and that's what counts. And so I finally took him up on the offer, and he got me put on the Soybean Board there in the state. And finally, as time went on there, they uh, David Falke from Stuttgart was on there and he had to step down for some reasons and they asked me to fill his spots and that's where the, all this started and it's been uh, 13 years. I'm a little bit ahead of the curve because he only served nine but there's some other things happened that uh, got me a few more years and that's where I am today. So what process do you go through to even be either appointed or elected to the United Soybean Board? Well the appointments uh, come from the state they have to put in two names every year around june or july and then the uh, usd uh, takes it and the secretary of ag appoints us so well, they put me back as david's alternate and i got on that and then the last few years i've been their primary with some alternate behind me but uh, the uh, secretary has the last word coming out of his office and it's really been a uh, never knew that happened till i got on the board but it's been good this board is totally volunteer. We we don't get paid to go. There's a lot of good soybean farmers from all across this nation on there, and we do our due diligence. To we're helping the farmers here at home. They may not know it, you know, right off the bat because some of this work takes years to get done, and we're steadily chipping at it and trying to get to the end result to make us more profit here. So you've been on the board for 13 years. Talk about what you've seen and 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 the needs of the industry, how they've kind of evolved during your time on the board. Sure. Uh, when I first got on the board, I was on the production committee, which is basic uh, agricultural practice, you know, fertility and that kind of stuff. And at that time, there was probably about uh, 
$60 million involved in our checkoff, which I thought was huge. But now we've progressed where we let the states handle most of the agronomic things, say for Arkansas and Mississippi handles theirs. And we've gone to what I think uh, far-reaching further things. We're trying to expedite the use of our meal and uh, checking it, uh, the amino acids and those kind of things that all of the swine people rely on to make sure we're getting what they're getting in the oil. I just got back from New York City on a biodiesel tour, and it's amazing what we've done with that, and that's always been the, the oil's been the drag for us, really. And uh, uh, we've, we've done a lot of things. We're looking at some new things right now in asphalt and uh, motor oil and just things I think are really going to come to play in the next few years. Soybeans, the uh, board refers to it as the miracle bean because there's so many different diverse uses for it. We did a story a number of years ago, I think when they were building the new headquarters of uh, Heifer Project down in Little Rock, and they had insulation foam made out of soybean. But to just talk about the research that's gone into finding new uses for this one bean. Sure. Uh, we're working with Ohio Lake oil, which will be new from what we're used to in this commodity oil. and We haven't got it all nailed down yet, but we spent millions working on it and it's supposed to be healthier for us we're trying to get a heart healthy deal going the oil's got some attributes uh, some of it amazes me they think that in processed beef and sausages and stuff the shelf life can be longer by having this oil in their fat so we're checking out a life cycle on hogs and chickens and seeing what this high old lake does to the animal itself as far as fat content uh just things you don't think about it it's uh uh, going to be used in some of these new rubber tires that Goodyear's putting out. It's going to be used in this asphalt I mentioned a while ago. It's got some different qualities that regular commodity soybeans does not have. So talk about your uh, goals now as chair. We're about to enter a new year. What are uh, the main initiatives that uh, we will see the uh, board pursuing and realizing the new year and beyond? Well, some of my goals are to get some of these other organizations. Uh, you know, agriculture, uh, I won't say it's been fragmented, but we all work on different routes, like the poultry people work on their end and the swine people, and we, we're working on all the ends, and I'm hoping we make these uh, groups come together a little closer. And one of the things that I think is driving it right now is this imitation beef. Uh, we need to position ourselves as a industry in the soybeans because we're a very good source of protein. It's cheap, and we have to be very careful not to alienate our, our pork and swine producers, I mean our poultry and swine producers. At the same time, we need to get on board with this because it may, uh, Jim thinks it may be a flash in the pan, but with the new millennial kids, it may be the things out there. So we need to get ready for using our soy and other sources in this imitation meat may be a perfect spot to be now you were telling me that there are like three different wings you have this united soybean board you have the united so or the u.s soybean export council and you have the american soybean association and you're all really brothers in one organization aren't you explain how that all works together well i always look at it like family uh, uh, asa is the oldest part of it back there celebrating their 100th anniversary this year and they're our political side and when usb was made which has been 28 years i think we couldn't get in the political arena we're only promotion 
in research and development. And that's where we have to watch our lines on how that happens. As, as a group, we do great. And USAC complimented the group several years ago. They came on, and they're a board made up of both of our ASA, USB, and they're doing our overseas things, uh, uh, getting over there, and we're helping this past year a lot with uh, aquaculture. The aquaculture is growing in this world because we don't have uh, much fish in the oceans anymore, so we're having to try to get in that feed market and make it grow, and we're using these things remote. Trade's been terrible, you know, with China out of the thing. Uh, we have backed off that about two years ago, just not knowing this was going to happen, and it's really came at a good time because we've opened lots more markets like in Morocco and Egypt is taking on a big part of this that we're not shipping to China. So we've done some good things, and, and it takes all three of us to make all this work for the soybean producer. As far as us as farmers here in production, everything we can sell and and make a profit on, particularly if it's overseas, just helps us as continuing our checkoff because we get a half of 1% that we use that money and uh, I mentioned a while ago when I first got on there it was around 60 million we're up to real close to 100 million a year and that's the USB side the other 100 million stays in the states so we're a 200 million non-profit basically just fighting for profitability and uh, new research and stuff for farmers. Uh, USMCA the house is supposed to deal with that this week before they recess for the holiday the Senate's going to take it up right after the first of the year, and it should be a done deal finally. This has been important with the Mexicans and the and the Canadian market. Uh, will that benefit the soybean producers? I believe it will help us a lot. The, uh, why shouldn't we be trading with our neighbors that's right around the border? It's cheaper to ship and everything. Uh, just a, a note in our meeting this past week, uh, we're hearing that the uh, Mexican uh, a company over there is, is trying to open up a crusher for Howell Lake. And we don't have Howell Lake in the south yet, but we can get them down here and start growing them pretty fast. So if this comes to fruition, it's going to open up another market for our soybeans that we haven't seen here in the south in forever. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be great. Uh, we're just waiting on some word from them, and I think this agreement will help them decide whether they want to build this crushing facility or not. And when they do, then we've got to be ready to start producing that bean. You, we talk about soybean meal, and it's a feed additive, if you will, for the swine industry. We know that the swine flu epidemic that they've been dealing with in Asia, has that helped export soybean meal to, to meet their needs uh, because of the uh, the devastation that that swine flu's had over there? Uh, it's it's been tremendous, but it, to me it's uh, at a cost because we're having to protect ourselves to keep that out of these borders. But as you know, the Asians love chicken and pork. And uh, I noticed I just got home this week and read where Tyson's had got an agreement they're going to send a lot of chicken back into China right now. The Both the Chinese government and the U.S. government agreed to it, and I'm sure pork is right on the heels because they like pork. Their problem has been that... Uh, the facilities they had were primarily uh, not industrial like I call ours where we have confinements. They had mom-and-pop people bringing hogs in, and I think that that leads to other things with this biosecurity. I don't think you'll ever see their industry go back the way it was after this, if they can get it going at all. They're, they're still having trouble. This virus just keeps popping up when they bring new pigs in. So 
I think it'll be a future thing here in the next year or two that we see where they either get back into business or rely on us totally. If they do that, it's going to dramatically change our swine and uh, poultry industry. What does it mean to you uh, for and for the state of Arkansas, for Arkansas soybean growers, to have you as chair? Well, it was a great honor for me to even be uh, put up on the board to be nominated. But for the state, I, I think it... Uh, it's going to bring a highlight. We've always been eighth, ninth, or tenth, depending on how rotation went in the state for soybeans. And to me, that shows how important uh, soybeans are for our state. And just for John and I here, they're important for our whole operation. Uh, we, we bank on our soybeans, and it's not like it used to be. We, they're a mainstay. I mean, uh, used to be soybeans were kind of the stepchild, but uh, we we work a lot of our operation around these new soybeans and getting the right varieties and the right everything and it's been a family thing uh, been here for four generations and uh, we enjoy it it's not something we just hate to do every day i'm out here with you today i uh, just got home but i said i need to get this done because i think it's the right thing to do this was a challenging production year uh, but as you said earlier this soybean challenge contest that we've been involved with for the last several years Yields, some, you know, with research, have been phenomenal. Because of research, uh, you and John and the other soybean growers, you can overcome the challenges you have with weather and other issues. Talk about that and and how yields continue to improve and uh, industry uh, research and things like that have really helped you increase your yield. Uh, These two falls have been the toughest weather falls i've ever lived through things that uh, we never dreamed would happen you know it, uh, people don't realize that uh, for us to cut a crop out we got to have a place to put a, a truck a trailer truck and it needs to be on dry ground and there wasn't much of that around so we've had to transport out of the field sometimes a mile mm. on grain carts just to to get to where we need to be and uh, when you start those logistics it just starts our whole crew had to work together to get this done it wasn't just John and I, we all had to work on this thing. But those years are what makes you be glad when we have a dry one. But uh, all in all, uh, I was totally surprised this year at our yields. We didn't cut quite as good as 19 to 18, but they were good. I I was surprised at lake planting and and, uh, the stress that we went through with uh, having to water. And then we turned off a dry September. Everybody can remember that. And then the next thing we know, it's just as wet as it was a year ago. Harvesting mud every day, uh, mm-hmm. didn't know whether it rained. It's been stressful, and it's not just been the South this year. It has been this whole nation. It's, you know, Nebraska suburb with that uh, freaky storm that went through up there and washed out a lot of their farms, and they've had snow and stuff. And I got a picture today of a friend of mine. He uh, showed me a combine that's up to its belly in mud. It's all over. Agriculture has suffered the last two years. Yeah, it has. And what's it going to take to get, uh, you know, prices back up to where you need them to be? How do you see the future? And and do you see, you know, prices rebounding at all in the near term? I hope so. Uh, uh, They seem to rebound this last week while I've been gone. Uh, I was teasing everybody that because I got to be chair, maybe the prices went up and then darn if they didn't do it. So just a little fun there. But uh, we we need to see prices, I think, in the – in the $10 range for us to stay productive. But one thing that's helped us is, is some of this technology you're talking about. Uh, John and I are, are trying to set up our water systems now where we use these ground meters. 
And I think if we can do that, it would save us a watering somewhere. Uh, it's just the way it is. The technology has really came into agriculture, and I think it's going to continue to grow. I may be getting a little bit too old to, to cover it all, but I hope he can keep on top of, of the things that are coming because I really see some future. I, I, I just don't know what it's going to be. I mean, there's new things that pop up on these magazines every week. Yeah, yeah but we grow, what, roughly 3 million acres every year roughly and do you see that number increasing with the advent of new technology well uh maybe uh if our yields keep going up maybe not but it depends on these markets overseas if if the china keeps into this uh, swine flu and it's all in the asian countries it may jump our soybean acres up to supply the poultry and the swine that they need i mean i can't see that far in the future but I think in the next uh, 12 to 24 months, we'll get a handle on that. And if it does, we may grow, grow more soybeans here in the south. We lead the nation most years in Arkansas in uh, protein. Our protein's higher than anybody's around, and particularly in the south. Mississippi's pretty high. But these companies that are growing these animals know where the protein is. And if they can get a little higher protein, which lowers their cost, they're coming for it. So I see a good future for our soybeans. One final question. Uh, Christmas is next week. What's If you had a Christmas Christmas wish list, uh, Jim, what would be at the top of your list for the soybean industry right now? Well, I hope that for my Christmas wish for everybody that we do see $10 beans here in the next month or so. And I know it would leave a lot, relieve a lot of stress for some of these people that have just uh, – put their heart and soul in their farms and it seems like sometimes we just work for nothing and uh, any good news at christmas time i think is a god sent thing and i appreciate that for sure uh well congratulations once again jim uh on your being elected chair of the united soybean board and giving us a few minutes of your time and and i'm sure over the next year we'll be visiting with you again and as you'll be able to bring some special meetings here to arkansas that maybe uh, we wouldn't have been able to host in the past right that's true. Uh, uh, we've already voted as a board to come back, I think, in 21 for a February board meeting, which I always think it highlights us. And then being I'm chair, I think I get the opportunity to try to bring our executive committee in here. And uh, I'd like to take them up to the uh, federal, to the campus, and see what Tyson's is doing up there. These, uh, I think they underestimate what we've got in Arkansas sometimes, and I, I want to promote that the best I can. But I'm full-fledged promoting about farming and soybeans. Of course. Been speaking with Jim Carroll, uh, newly elected chair of the United Soybean Board, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next, Keith Sutton joined new Arkansas Farm Bureau President Rich Hillman and other Arkansas Farm Bureau leaders at a gathering of young farmers and ranchers in Woodruff County. The group discussed ideas for strengthening young farmers and ranchers programs at the state and local levels. So Keith talked to YFNR committee member Jeffrey Tubbs of Jonesboro and White County Farm Bureau board member Dana Stewart about the importance of this meeting and some of the group's ideas. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Tonight I'm in Woodruff County in the little town of Gregory. And I'm visiting with Jeffrey Tubbs of Jonesboro, who's on our state Young Farmer and Ranchers Committee, and Dana Stewart of Judsonia, who's on the board at White County Farm Bureau. How are y'all this evening? Doing great. <laughs> Doing good. 
Well, tell everybody, uh, Dana, won't you start? Tell tell folks about the event we have going on here tonight and what y'all were trying to do. Well, tonight's event is a Young Farmer and Ranchers Forum. We have a lot of people in our district coming together, young farmers and ranchers, uh, local Farm Bureau board members, some state staff, and it's really an opportunity for us to get together and share some ideas how we can strengthen our Young Farmer and Rancher program. And Jeffrey, for folks that don't know who might listen, explain what Young Farmer and Rancher is and and what y'all try to do with that organization. So the Young Farmer and Rancher group is 36 and younger in the state of Arkansas. It gives the ability for everybody in Arkansas to be involved on the Farm Bureau level. Um, It's just kind of the way to get in and start being active in our Farm Bureau group. And it's really kind of important now, isn't it, to have YFNR? Yeah, it's definitely important. You know, if you look at the average age of our group, it's just like farming. Everybody's getting older and I had the ability to get to go to Washington, D.C. with this group, and it, you really see the importance of having Farm Bureau and the organization and what we do for farmers and ranchers. So, Dana, best case scenario tonight, what do you hope is going to come out of this meeting in the very end after everybody heads home? Some renewed enthusiasm, some new ideas. Um, sometimes we hear as young farmers and ranchers that nobody is stepping up to take the place. Right. I and that. I think we have to consider that as the world has evolved and agriculture has evolved, we can't just do things the way that we always have and expect the same results. Right. And so I hope tonight really starts a, a revolution in the Young Farmer and Rancher programs locally and statewide. This is a pretty big group getting together at this little spot out almost in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Y'all enjoy getting together and I know your group is very active. I know a lot of the members. Uh, Jeffrey, how long have you been a member of YFNR? Uh, On the YFNR on the county level, I've been involved for seven and eight years. On the state level, I just got on last November. Um, it's just, it's really I've been eye-opening to me. On the county level, it's easy just to remember your county, but you get on the state wife and our committee, because in Crickhead, we're mainly row crop, but you get on the state level and you realize that there's so many different producers that we have in Arkansas, and it's a great experience that we get to have. It's a real diverse group, isn't it? It is a very diverse group. So we have a lot of poultry, beef, cattle. I think about everything that we produce in Arkansas is represented on the statewide farm committee right now. So if somebody's listening to this and they're going, gosh, I didn't know about YFNR, but I sure would like to know more. How do they find out more and maybe become involved in, in their county or even on the state level? So I would tell anybody that's interested, uh, start at your local board. Uh, talk to people on your local board and ask them about their Young Farmer and Rancher Committee. Let them know that you want to be involved. We would never turn anybody down if there is an interest. We will find a place for you. We we need people and we want people to be involved. And of course, then that, that goes beyond at a local board level up to the state level. We want people to be involved. And uh, it won't be too long. State conference will be coming around. Yeah, state around. conference is coming up in February. I don't know the exact dates, but it'll be here. It's going to be in Hot Springs this year. We have a lot of really good, interesting speakers coming, and we're going to change things up a little bit this year and have more of a nightlife. It's going to be a great time. 
And so uh, I do know people can go to our website, ARFB.com, and they can find information on wife and are there, and uh, they should be able to find the dates of the conferences coming up. So we'd all encourage everybody to uh, get active now. Come come be a part of the conference, meet everybody, get acquainted. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be a great time. Well, I know uh, we got a lot going on tonight, and I don't want to hold you away from that. So thank you all for taking time to talk to us and uh, be on AgCast. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, Ashley Wallace chats with Amanda Williams, director of Arkansas Farm Bureau's Women's Leadership Program and the Farm Bureau Foundation. Williams talks about what the Women's Leadership Committee has been up to this fall and their recent donation to Ronald McDonald House. I'm Ashley Wallace, and I'm here with Amanda Williams, the Director of Women's Leadership. So, um, Amanda, you're in charge of the Women's Leadership Committee, which is a group of women statewide who are working together. Tell me a little bit about their mission or their goals. Um, So, the mission of the state or of the Women's Leadership Committee, whether it's on the state level or on the county level, um, is to promote agriculture. Um, Again, whether it's on a statewide level or if it's in their county, Um, whether that's through activities in a school, doing presentations, an Ag in the Classroom presentation with students, um, having one of our Ag simulators there, or the milk cow there, but talking about agriculture. Um, And not just with students, just um, anyone in general, um, in the general public, um, just telling their story about agriculture, whether it's their personal story or just giving information about agriculture in general. So with that being their main goal in mind, a few weeks ago we had the... um, the state convention where we hosted a women's leadership luncheon and we gave away some awards for that, for those activities. Yes, um, each year at the uh, women's leadership luncheon, we recognize those um, counties that um, have been outstanding in their field. Um, This past year, we had several um, new winners even with that. Um, So with our district awards, we have seven districts. Um, We recognize those seven um, for their exceptional job in their county promoting all four areas that we focus on in the the women's committee. Um, Those four areas are rural health and safety, ag in the classroom, commodity promotion, and then other general activities um, promoting agriculture. Um, So this year we were able to recognize St. Francis, White, Benton, Scott, Garland, Lone Oak, and Hempstead counties for their districts. Um, Also, we recognize the top county for each of those four um, areas that I Uh, mentioned. um, Ag in the Classroom this year went to Benton County. Commodity Promotion went to White County. Rural Health and Safety was Garland County. And other activities went to Benton County as well. Um, We also recognize the Outstanding Women's Leadership Committee. Um, This award goes to that one county that um, went above and beyond the others. Um, You know, whether it was with their promotion of commodities or the activities that they do in the school or just a combination of those. Um, This year's winner was Benton County uh, Women's Leadership Committee. And um, the last award that we gave away during the luncheon was our Diamond Award. Um, And this award recognizes one um, individual that has really got out in the state and or really told their story across the state whether that was through social media or in in person um, whether it was um, just with their county uh, women's committee doing programs in the schools or in the community 
Um, but this year we honored uh, Miss Janet Carroll from Monroe County. Um, she does have a Facebook page called The Thankful Farmer. So um, go on uh, Facebook and follow her. And it is showing you a day by day of what they are doing on their family farm um, from planting to harvesting and everything in between um, and after and just general information about agriculture here in Arkansas and across the U.S. The keynote speaker at that luncheon, she had the same message on telling her story. Hmm? Yes, um, our keynote was Lorinda Overman. She is one of the Southern Region representatives from American Farm Bureau Women's Leadership. Um, Lorinda is from North Carolina and um, her platform is um, tell your story. No one can tell your story better than you can. Um, she even made reference to a squirrels um, incident um, that happened several years ago and like she said everyone's had an incident with a squirrel but nobody can tell your story like you can um, and she referenced that back to agriculture is don't let anyone else tell your story you be the one telling it. So the next women's leadership event is when? Um, our Women's Leadership Conference for 2020 will be March 6th and 7th. Um, this year we are at a new location. Uh, we will be at Hotel Hot Springs. Um, and this year's theme is Women in Ag, Seeds to Success. Another big thing the Women's Committee works on, Women's Leadership Committee works on, is partnering with the Ronald McDonald House. Yes, the uh, State Women's uh, Leadership Committee has been partnering with Ronald McDonald House um, for over 20 years now. Um, whether it's been monetary or um, going and cooking a meal and serving that to the residents there at the Ronald McDonald House in Little Rock. Um, each year, for the past few years, they have done a monetary donation um, and then um, about six months later they go and uh, prepare a meal for those residents. Um, so this year we were able to um, do a $4,000 donation. We actually made that um, on December the 18th. Wednesday, uh, December 18th, um, Ronald McDonald House actually had a, uh, a longtime donor that um, is matching funds or is matching funds up through December 31st. So uh, we made our donation a little earlier this year, but just so that that $4,000 donation would be doubled to $8,000. Um, while we were there, we were talking to the director and she said that $4,000 um, is what their utility bill is per month. So um, in reality, that $4,000 donation was matched and that will be able to pay their um, Utility. utilities for two months. And they house, like she said, 32 families a night with a waiting list of 20 or more. Mm -hmm. And a, fa a family averages about three people um, per family. So 32 families of at least three. Oy. So the next question is, how does someone in the county get involved with our Women's Leadership Committee? Um, the best way to do is contact your county Farm Bureau office. Um, your county may already have an active Women's Leadership Committee um, and they can get you in contact with that county chairperson or um, some counties have co-chairs. They can get you in contact with those um, to attend a meeting um, and see what they have planned for the year. If there's not a committee already uh, developed in that county, then um, you can start by, you know, if you want to develop one, you can contact me for more information to give you some tools to start that up. But just advocating for agriculture in your community and doing that in the schools and things like that, it's things that you may be doing on a daily basis, but involving Farm Bureau would be a way to do that with the Women's Leadership Committee. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you. That's it for this week's Arkansas AgCast. 
We'll be taking a holiday break and returning January 9th to help start 2020 with all the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.